Let us pray together. Let's pray. Father, your word teaches us and Jesus reminded us that men and women don't live by bread alone, but that we live by hearing and paying attention to the things that you say to us. We live by the word of God. Be with us for these next few minutes as we feed together on your word. Amen. My job as a minister of the Christian gospel is to, together with you, see if we can become the community that God wants us to be. And that's the work that I've set about doing in these early years here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. I've paid attention to what kind of a community we are as I've got to know you better and and our church better. And I've been paying attention also to uh, the biblical witness and what it says about communities of Jesus Christ and what they are to be. And over time, my desire is that those two things begin to converge more and more, that they come together, that we become more and more the people that God calls us to be. That's how I think of my job, to try and lead a community of Christ's people to become more and more what Christ calls them to be. Uh, Let me tell you, it feels like it's the work of a lifetime and many lifetimes. What is it that the Bible teaches about this community? What is it supposed to be? Well, it says uh, lots of different things, and we have taken time in some series of, of preaching in the past to dwell on those But one of the images that I want to dwell with you for a moment on this morning is the image of the church as the body of Christ. And I want us to think about that together for a moment before we come here to this table and take this bread and this wine. I'm not sure if we can understand properly the image of the church as the body of Christ until we take seriously Jesus' own body and the way in which he he lived among us on this earth. I'm thinking particularly of his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Jesus lived among us in a body, same kind of body that you have and that I have. In the next few days, we're going to remember his death and then his resurrection. And in a few weeks' time, we're going to remember together his ascension, the moment when Jesus left us bodily and returned to his Father in heaven. That, that moment there, the ascension of Jesus Christ, is, is a moment that we take for granted, those of us who have grown up in the church and have heard this story over the years. But actually, I, I think although we take it for granted, it's, it's quite strange to me the more I think about it. It's not very intuitive if you think about it for a moment, Jesus died on the cross that, that we might be rescued from sin and death. He rose again to show his victory over death in the grave. Now, what better thing than if the risen Jesus had stayed around? 
if he had stayed around and led a body of his people to take the good news to the world, what could be better than that? And yet, we know God's word teaches us and we know Jesus did not stay around and he didn't lead his disciples bodily in that way to take the gospel to the world. The truth is that what Jesus did, returning to his Father in heaven, is what Jesus had always intended to do. He never intended to stay around. He always intended to hand things over to his disciples. Philip Yancey asks a question. Would it be too much to say that ever since the ascension, Jesus has sought other bodies in which to begin again the life he lived on earth? When I first read that, and I think in the past that would have struck me as a a pretty radical idea, just an eye-catching headline, something that maybe didn't make an awful lot of sense biblically or theologically. But then recently I've preached my way through Acts, and a lot of you were here as we did that on our Sunday evenings. I was astonished reading Acts by the level of continuity that I found there between the bodily ministry of Jesus and then the things that his disciples did after he had returned to heaven. What did Jesus do during his time on earth? Well, the the gospel writers summarize it always in the same two ways. They say that he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and he healed people. You read the Acts of the Apostles, you'll find them everywhere and always preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And you'll find them healing people in ways that are very, very reminiscent of Jesus. Peter, on his way into the temple, finds a paralyzed man, raises him up. Paul, at the very end of Acts, he's still healing people when he's shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Jesus raised people from the dead during his ministry. So did his disciples. Peter raised a lady called Dorcas or Tabitha. And Paul raised a guy called Eutychus. He had fallen out the window when he was listening to one of Paul's sermons. He had fallen to the street below and died. Paul raised him to the dead. When you read Acts, it's very, very clear that Jesus' followers did the same stuff that Jesus did. I think Philip Yancey's spot on. Jesus was looking for other bodies who would continue to do the work that he had done while in his body. The conclusion I'm coming to, friends, is that the the biblical witness shows that Jesus gave his body so that a brand new body of Jesus could be born and could carry on living in this world. At Pentecost, a few weeks later, after Jesus had died and had risen and ascended to his Father in heaven, at that time at Pentecost, all that happens there is that the body of Jesus that he's created has the life breathed into him, into it, sorry, the life of the Holy Spirit. Folks, do you see how clear it is? The the biblical witness says that we, the followers of Jesus Christ, are the body of Christ. 
I can't speak for you this morning. But I'm willing to, to admit and to go on record saying that I take it, I, I find it very difficult sometimes to take the church seriously as the body of Christ. We meet here Sunday by Sunday in a hundred year old, drafty, crumbling building. Sometimes we get on with each other here. And sometimes we don't. We struggle, some of us, to commit ourselves to Jesus at all. Those of us who think we have committed ourselves to Jesus seem to hold back and rail against him. We're terrified of taking Jesus to the world around us. We are the body of Christ. Isn't that weird? With all my frailties and all the the secret sins that I try so hard to hide from you, I am part, I am a limb in the body of Christ. I take that, I find that hard to take seriously. The Bible teaches a, a, a really weird thing. Paul stresses it. He says that the church, the body of Christ, is the place where where Christ dwells on earth. He calls it the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't over-spiritualize that. It's a very simple thing. What Paul means is this. He means that anybody in Belfast in 2009 who's looking for the living God should come here. This is the place where he, he or she should expect to find the living God, or he should come to my front door. We're the body of Christ. We are the place where Christ is in this world. Folks, I I find it difficult to believe that, and and maybe, uh, maybe you share my struggles. I find it difficult to believe the church really is the body of Christ, but But somewhere deep down I do, and I have a a couple of reasons for that. One is that occasionally I see it. And sometimes I see it here. Sometimes things happen. Uh, I interact with with some of you folks. Uh, I see how we are when we're together, and I see it, and I think, yes, we are the body of Christ. I believe it as well because God's word tells me that it's true. Think of what Paul teaches. This is a massive part of Paul's theology. I could, I could give you 20 verses at least where Paul talks about the church as the body of Christ. First of all, in Galatians, he, he talks personally for a moment. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul's body is no longer his own. It's a vehicle for Christ's presence in the world. When he writes to the Corinthians in chapter 12 of that letter, he writes to the young Christians there and he gives them this same astonishing identity. He says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That's us. All of us. We are a part of Christ's body. Lots of things that Paul teaches about church life flow out of what he believes 
Uh, For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, a very famous passage, he tells us that Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? So that the body of Christ might be built up. We're the body of Christ. My role, if I have one at all among you, is to try and build up the body of Christ in this place. Friends, if that's true, if we are the body of Christ, I'm wondering how healthy that body is today. Do we need to go into a bit of training? Need to change the diet a little bit? What would the body of Christ look like in front of one of those full-length mirrors? I remember being away with work one time and walking out of the shower past a full-length mirror, and I thought, goodness, that doesn't look like me. Uh, I've been overeating on uh, company expenses for a while. What does the body of Christ look like in this place? Is it famished and starving? Is it obese because we've been feeding on all the wrong stuff? Nothing that gives us health, but only things that deplete us. If this body of Christ is going to be strong, then we need to learn to feed on Christ in the ways in which Christ has provided for us. Let me suggest very quickly three ways. Firstly, feed on his word. Pay attention when the word is read and preached here in public. Read it at home. Don't be content always to nibble on Bible reading notes or or on the latest Christian writer. Go to the Bible. Read the Gospels. Read there the accounts of what Jesus did and what he said and of his life, death, and resurrection. Read Paul's epistles where he explains the implications of Jesus' life for us. Learn how Jesus has changed everything. Feed on Christ in his word. Secondly, open your life more and more to the spirit of Jesus. Don't be content to buy into churchy activism. Don't be content chasing after emotional experiences. Look for the real spirit of Jesus Christ. Folks, when you take seriously the image of the church as a body... The Bible's always clear about this. A body has no life until the Spirit of God is breathed into it. In the creation account, God makes Adam, but then God breathes into him. And that's when he's shown to to come alive. Whenever the new body of Christ is formed, the early church, it's at Pentecost that the Spirit's breathed in, and then the thing comes alive. Folks, we we long for more of the Spirit of Jesus Christ 
in us and among us. How do we do that? Simply by waiting on God and by praying. Maybe a simple prayer. Jesus Christ, I am willing to be a part of your body. I am willing to be a vehicle for your presence in this world. Will you come and work in me and through me? We feed on Christ in his word. We feed on Christ as we receive more of his spirit. And there's a third way to feed on Christ. Jesus offered it to his disciples in that upper room in Jerusalem all those years ago. He said to his disciples, take and eat. This is my body. Whenever Jesus wanted his disciples to remember him, he gave them a meal to remember him by. That's crucial for our understanding of what it is to be a Christian. Jesus didn't leave us a monument. He didn't want a historical appreciation society, people who would look back to him as a historical figure. Jesus didn't leave a document. He didn't want some sort of intellectual community forming around his words, humming and hang about what he said and and what it meant. Jesus left a meal because it's a body that he wanted to leave in this world. A living, organic community, hungry for him. He said, take and eat. This is my body. You have no life apart from me. Other than my death and resurrection, you you are nothing. You will die like that. You will starve. You will fail to exist. Jesus always claimed that he was the only nourishment that his disciples needed. What is it he said? I am the breath of life. Sorry, the, the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And here he is on this last night, just before he goes as the Lamb of God to give his life for us. And he says, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just now we're going to come around this table. We're going to remember Jesus in the way in which he commanded us to. We'll remember how a few hours after this meal, he he was beaten and he suffered and died on our behalf. That we might be forgiven, that we might not take the punishment that our sins rightfully deserve. We'll remember how he ransomed us from the power of sin and of hell. We'll remember how he rose again to free us from death and win new life for us. All of these things we will remember as we obey his invitation and come and feed on him. Take, eat. This is my body. 
given for you. We're learning to feed more and more on Jesus Christ. Just before we come to the table, we're going to sing together a wonderful hymn of Christian clarity.